Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And you're listening to the Spooky Hour. Side note, at about quarter to three in the morning this morning, we were still in the kitchen and I was wasted and my mom was trying to figure out this new Bluetooth speaker I got her and I fucking cast the Halloween song. Did you actually? Like the theme song. And I forgot about it till this morning when I turned on my Spotify to do the dishes and that started playing. And you're like, I'm going to get like, murdered. What the fuck? <laughs> what the hell? Happy 2021, you peoples. Yay. Happy New Year's. Yeah. That's, it, that's about all the uh, enthusiasm I have. Yeah, I didn't celebrate. Well, I mean, like, how do you even celebrate New Year's now? I, like, sat in my basement and played video games all night. That's all I did. I played Cards Against Humanity until about 2 in the morning. Uh, I got very drunk. Uh, I got very stoned. And that was it. And that's it. It was, like, an average night. Yeah. Like, it was, <laughs> like, only, a normal uh, Thursday. <laughs> we were all upstairs, and my mom called me on my, like, called me on my phone instead of just, like, Holly from downstairs. She's like, you're gonna miss it. I looked at my phone. It's like 11:57, and I was like, shit. <laughs> we <laughs> were all- nothing happened. <laughs> Stuart and me and a couple of Stuart's friends. I, they're my friends too. So our friends, except Holly and Carl, because they're lame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Holly and Carl were not sober last night. <laughs> no, they, if they would have played video games, I would have murdered both of them, and they would have killed us. Um, we all just play video games, and then we realized at like 12:01 that it was like midnight, and everyone's like, I guess Happy New Year, like. Does the game do anything like how Fortnite did? No, we're, we don't. We're not lame. And we don't play Fortnite. We play Call of Duty. <laughs> we're not lame. We're not lame. Noobs. Someone's gonna yell at me for that, and I don't care. <laughs> well, we hope you guys all had fun doing whatever it is that you did, and yeah. we hope that was not partying with a hundred of your closest friends. Yeah, I hope <laughs> we did it. You did it safely, and you. Twenty twenty was shit, but I hope you got to like experience something good in twenty twenty. Um, yeah i'm trying to be positive and i just that's about as far as i can get i i do i I write in my journal every so often when i remember to and i was like i should do like a list of good things that happened to me in 2020 and like i still haven't started because i still can't think of one (laughs) yeah i don't um other than this like this is it yeah other than like the spooky hour podcast and like meeting all of you like lovely human beings and getting a chat with you that's other it, than that, man. like, I literally have, I can't think of one solid thing that I'm, like, stoked about. No. Nothing. Like, nothing at all. I have my uh, review at work on January 12th, so I'm hoping that that's, Fuck like, that. my something. I'm hoping that that's the, the good thing. It's just, like, a couple weeks late. <laughs> I book, um, I, we all go back to work next week. So, the Monday that you're listening to this is, like, back to work week. I already I'm booked two so days off. So. Oh, did you? Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I have one day off at the end of January already, um, but I'm, like, super stressed about going back to work on Monday because – so I uh, I worked from home on the 29th, and I did work. I did some stuff, but I did not do nearly the workload I should have done. Yeah. And I was like, eh, it's be fine. It, it'll, be, it'll be fine. I'll do it on the 4th. This and like now that it's the Yeah. Now that it's the 1st and the 4th is, like, so close, I'm like, fuck. Fuck that. I'm, like, so stressed to go back to work on Monday. I just don't want to. <laughs> And we're all, we keep talking about like the new year, but we hope you guys had a good Christmas or like Hanukkah. Oh my God. Yeah. We skipped right over that. Yeah. Whatever you celebrate, even if it's just hanging out with some family, we hope you had a great time. Yeah. Mine was quiet. I I think everyone's at least should have been quiet this year, but it was kind of nice. It kind of strips it back to like the true meaning of Christmas. What I've been trying to tell Holly for the past, like, how long have I known you? 16 years? (laughs) Just being with family and the people you love. Even if it's through FaceTime, technology is good in that way. I even got to do a porch drop-off for Danielle's birthday. That was nice. I saw her from six feet away. She sung me happy birthday, my security camera. Yeah, I did. It was great. Mm -hmm. It was great. I was going to say, that was the first time I've seen Danielle since my birthday. Yeah. I just had like a moment of like real big stupidity because so whenever Holly does something, I'm always like, I'm going to put it on my fridge. I'm like, I'm going to put that video on my fridge. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to put the video oh on my, my fridge? But we're not there yet technology wise, but one day we will. If I get a fridge with the videos on it, like the screen, I could put like, it on it there. It has like an iPad in it, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah that's so funny. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> buying like a $3,000 fridge. It's not, <laughs> it's not worth it to me. My uh, food's going to go stale either way, whether it's a $3,000 fridge right? or a $100 fridge, so. <laughs> I told Carl I wanted, like, a big walk-in fridge one day. He's like, do you want a house or do you want a fridge? I was like, honestly, <laughs> we can live in a fridge, right? <laughs> that's, 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 it's fine. 
but that's that's all I got for banter. We hope you enjoyed the last couple weeks of 2020, whatever that looked like for you. Yeah. For me, it just looked like a lot of drinking. Uh- <laughs> I spent. I was sober. I decided to do a sober Christmas, sober New Year's, and I feel great. I'm. I have a lot of tea in my system, and that's about it. You're detoxing. I'm the tea detoxing. is just like cleansing all of 2020 shit right out yeah. of you. I did the opposite where I didn't drink nearly enough in 2020. And I just, <laughs> you just made it up all for out. it. <laughs> yeah, I made up for it. I, I deserve to drink this year, okay? <laughs> Guys, I got Snapchats from her last night, like blowing those like... Cause last, cause oh my so God. last night was New Year's Eve and I got a Snapchat of her blowing like the little, I don't even know what it's called. The little like party horn thing. Yeah. But she like blew it called. too hard. She broke it and it sounded like a, like a dying no, no, no. pig. They all just came like that. All of them oh. sounded like that. Yeah. I thought you broke <laughs> like, it. Where the fuck did you get these? It just sounded so awful. And I was like, these are the perfect party horns for 2020. Yeah. That's it exactly just sounds like a dying animal. Like <laughs> what? It's that's the whole. That's what twenty. I have was. a video saved somewhere. Maybe just maybe I'm, I will post my drunk ass somewhere for you guys to laugh at. We'll yeah, see. <laughs> it'll be funny. And I deleted all my social media except Instagram. So because we're going into twenty twenty one centered and and zen and slightly hungover in my case, but that's fine. Yeah, it's just positive vibes only. Yeah, from here on out. That's it. I'm actually setting the bar like marginally low for next year. I will just accept like no one dying. Mm-hmm. That'll, That'll be a good, be a good year for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that's it. That's all I request. Just no no close familial deaths. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I second that's it. it. That's my bar. <laughs> With that friendly note, it's like we get into like one week of January and it's like Danielle's dead. <laughs> god don't say that (laughs) (laughs) knowing my fucking luck (laughs) i swear to god you guys if i die everyone just blame holly because this is her don't blame me remember this moment she did this to herself (laughs) (laughs) she jinxed her damn self i did i did i mean i don't leave my house so it'd be like a like a fall down the stairs or like freak accident yeah hair dryer in the bathtub or something i was gonna say that or like yeah something electrocute myself plug in something in Take it down to my Christmas cooking. tree. Maybe cooking like, is the most likely one. Yeah, that's probably true. Actually, <laughs> just tries to cook. Whole that's house one. Blows up. Everyone mastered something in 2020, whether it was like cooking, baking, and like guys, I can't fucking do it. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> I tried. I just suck. <laughs> You're getting better though. You haven't burnt grilled cheese in a really long time. Because I haven't made grilled cheese in a really long time. Fuck. <laughs> I will never forget one of the first, uh, it was like the first month or so that Danielle and uh, Stuart lived in their own house and she sent me a picture of her grilled cheese and the caption was like, why do I live on my own? The bread was black as fuck, (laughs) like on fire, black as fuck, but the cheese in the middle had not melted at all. It was like completely uncooked raw cheese for lack of a better term. (laughs) I'm just going to say our stovetop sucks. Our stove, our stovetop sucks. Either it doesn't heat up, or you turn it like halfway, and it's like hell, just and like blows it just blows up. Yeah, and it's just it's crazy. So I'm gonna blame it on that. Just, yeah, that's it. definitely what happened. Yep. Um. <laughs> okay, let's go into some spooky stuff. Let's so we can get stop talking spooky. about my cooking. Danielle's cooking scary enough. Let's yeah. move on. To else. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't ever feed you guys. It's fine. <laughs> so. T- Starting off 2021, I'm going to talk about the Langham Hotel or Langham. Yeah. Um, It is in Portland Place, London. It was constructed in the 1860s and it was like one of the most luxurious hotels of its time. So we're we're taking it to the UK because the UK is pretty and we love you. It's always the luxurious hotels though that get haunted. It's never like a Super 8. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like Super 8s are like haunted, but of like, like people you wouldn't expect like a they're Karen just like chilling like yeah. they just don't care to like actually haunt you yeah just like, oh, this is home now <laughs> like, this, this is fine we get our free breakfast like yeah <laughs> whereas like luxury hotels are like someone important yeah I, like and i put like important in like quotations as like i don't fucking care that they're important but they're important yeah. <laughs> people died in these hotels and they're just like, I, I get what you're saying they want to show off more there yeah they're just annoying I get that. yeah maybe that's it um so the construction took a few years from 1863 to 1865 and cost about 3,000 pounds which is 28 million pounds this year like in 2021 wow. or 2020 I should say um which is about 48 million Canadian I think wow that's if, my, if I did my math correct let's hope um 
The hotel's opening ceremony in 1865 was performed by Charles, who's the Prince of Wales. Um, this hotel was seeing huge success and having, like, pretty famous people stay there, including, like, Mark Twain and Hetty Green, which is, like, she's, like, the witch of Wall Street. She was, like, one of the most famous <laughs> and, like, rich women to, like, ever exist. That. Yeah. Um, in the 20th century, it was also the main place the royal family would stay at, including um, the real queen herself, Princess Diana. Um, yeah, I'm never going to get over that revenge dress, let me tell you. That revenge dress is everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. Long live the queen, Diana, the real queen. She is like, okay, I, keep in mind, when I say I care about fashion, I mean I like looking at fashion. I just love wearing sweatpants, but she is the reason why I love fashion. Yeah. One of the main, I'm, I'm, I, I'm wearing, I look like a pencil crayon right now because I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing gray tracksuit, basically. I look like Rocky You're Balboa. Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite movie. That's where I get my fashion uh, sense is fucking Rocky Balboa. Okay, everybody? I love that. Yeah. And I haven't washed my hair in like three days. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I washed my hair. <laughs> my hair is still blue, so it's fine. That's how much I've washed it. That's how you keep it blue. You just don't wash it. You just it. don't wash it. Um... So I am going into just like history before we get into some spookies. Um, so once the Great Depression hit in the 1930s, the hotel was hit pretty hard. Um, and the owners like attempted to like sell the hotel because they're like, why am I going to deal with this? Um, they tried to sell it to the BBC, which is the British Broadcasting Corporation. But they were out because they were like outgrowing like their building at the time. Um, and they were oh, looking- so they wanted to like be the BBC in there? Yeah. Like they're looking for like a gotcha. new location anyways. So they're like, yeah, take over our hotel. Um, however, the BBC was just like petty and ended up building across the street from the hotel. <laughs> so that time, at that time, they didn't purchase it. But I mean, I love, I love, I watch BBC all the time. They have such good like documentaries. Do you watch Downton Abbey? <laughs> no, I, I said documentaries, Holly. I didn't say like oh. <laughs> I'm ninety. Fucking Carl's mom. Every time I go downstairs, it's all she's watching. Oh I God. know what's happening in that show, and I've never seen a full episode. <laughs> That's so funny. Also fuck netflix i'm getting rid of my netflix talking about shows they fucking got rid of the office the office was oh, taken really? off last night yeah fuck it fuck, fuck you netflix you're taking off all the good shows they're keeping like friends and i'm like shoot me in the face it's not funny shoot someone's gonna face. yell at me so i know someone will and i that's fine you can fuck yell friends at me. it's fine it's fine um so during the war the hotel was used by the army um but it ended up getting damaged by like bombers and was closed for the time being um once the war ended the bbc ended up using the hotel partially for like additional accommodation um to like their building across the street um but they did end up purchasing the building in 1965 and used it um mainly as like a, like a training center um so fun fact, Guy Burgess or Bridges, I'm pretty sure it's Burgess, um, stayed at the Langham Hotel and worked as a BBC employee, but he was also part of the Cambridge Five and he was actually a spy for the Soviets during the Cold War. Oh. Yeah. So he stayed at this this hotel. So fun fact. It's fancy. Yeah. So in the 1980s, the BBC wanted to demolish the hotel and applied for permissions to, like, tear it down. Um, but they were actually denied. And I don't know why, but they were. Um, so they wanted to basically build, like, a, an office building. Um, since they weren't able to demolish it, they ended up selling it to the Ladbroke um, group, who also ended up purchasing all the Hilton hotels, like the non-US ones. Oh. Yeah, so they bought it for $26 million and revamped it and reopened or 26 million like pounds um and revamped it and reopened it as the langham hilton in 1991 oh so it is kind of like a haunted super eight yeah a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um so it, it's back from going from like a broadcasting training center so it's back to being a hotel it was then bought again in 1995 so it didn't last as a hilton for very long um by the great eagle holdings and they extended the hotel and did like a bunch of renovations between 1998 and 2009 like there were certain parts of it but that's like they're, they're basically what happened so it was like 1998 and like 2000 they did one project and then they kind of like expanded every two years mm-hmm. But that's basically the time frame of it. So these renovations, including restoring the hotel back to like its original state prior to the war and prior to the BBC owning it. Um, but now they own like a ton of hotels known as the, as the Langham Hotels International. So they have a bunch of them and now it's one of them. Um, so that's just a little history on the hotel. So now for some permanent residents that reside there. 
permanent residence permanent. i like that yeah Ooh. um this hotel was noted um as being haunted when it was owned by the bbc people had said there was five spirits at that time and they were active within the building um so it said the most active spirit is a german prince it said that he committed suicide by throwing himself out of a window on one of the top oh. upper floors this is why hotels lock their windows now um, yeah he or they have like bars outside of them yeah um he had been seen going through doors like he actually just like goes through them he is also known to make himself present by dropping the temperature so if you're in a room and the temperature gets really cold it's supposed to be him and what haunted hotel is like a haunted hotel without a haunted room um so the room in langham hotel is room 333 this room is said to be the most haunted and the most active room in the hotel and it's still open to the public as far as i'm aware so you can still book it and stay in it um, there was a BBC employee staying in this room, and when they woke up, to, and they, well, when they woke up, they saw like a ball of light floating in the middle of the room. This fluorescent ball ended up taking on a human shape, but it was missing its legs, and it was like hovering. Ooh. Yeah, this apparition is said to be wearing Victorian evening wear, so either wearing like those fancy ball gowns or that weigh like five million tons, or like the classy <laughs> suit with a tail. Not sure which one. So the BBC employee ended up having some balls for half a second and um, asked the spirit what it wanted. And the spirit ended up like slowly moving towards them. Um, so they ended up like jumping out of bed and taking off down the hall to their friend that was also there staying goes those in the room. Balls. Yeah, there goes those balls. <laughs> um, when they both went back to the room, so room three three three, the apparition was still standing there, but not as visible as before, and eventually just disappeared. Another employee had the same experience in the room a few months later in 2003 a lady stayed in room 333 and randomly checked herself out in the middle of the night with no reason and that was like she was supposed to sign yeah she was supposed to stay like a week and she checked herself out after like two days (laughs) she's like like, peace guys um so that would be my mom she'd be like hell fucking no i'm going to the super (laughs) eight down the street (laughs) fuck this (laughs) <laughs> super eats aren't hot yeah, and if they are they're not gonna bug me <laughs> can you imagine paying like i'm pretty sure to stay here it's like between 200 and 400 pounds like can you imagine a night yeah spending that kind <sighs> of kind of money to get fucking haunted like i want to sleep i, I would better i had better be haunted if i spend that much money i mean true this better be <laughs> if a good I spend that much money and see nothing like <laughs> i want a refund <laughs> yeah. this is a lie <laughs> i enjoyed my experience way too much (laughs) i got too much sleep this is not fun (laughs) so days after she left she ended up writing a letter back to the hotel and explaining what had happened and she said that she was woken up in the middle of the night um to an apparition shaking her bed apparently it was constant too like violently shaking her trying to get her out of bed terrifying this is a common occurrence in room 333 as it happened to multiple people and the violent shaking of the bed and also tipping guests out of their bed so people have been like tipped out of their bed can you imagine like like you're in london like having experience like even like say you're like traveling and you're like this is a famous hotel i'm gonna stay here you get put in room 333 and you're wasted as fuck and they just knock you out of the fucking bed (laughs) carl would puke on the carpet (laughs) oh my god he's gonna hate but like fuck he doesn't listen to this anyways he fucking he drinks this like blue drink i don't know what it is but it's It's like okay it's energy drink vodka what else blue curacao yeah the blue stuff that's what it is like no wonder Um, he dies like he's also over 30 which is like it's a terrible combination and he yeah he violently puked blue all over the bathroom this morning so uh that's how my year started yeah Yeah. i honestly it was blue (laughs) i remember the first time watching because we before the pandemic i used to have holly and carl over all the time and we would always drink and i remember the first time he was here and he made that drink and i was like energy drink vodka and that blue shit and i'm like dude dude what do you fuck about his liver i was like how are you alive it's so funny because we like we don't really drink ever like we don't drink on weekends we only drink on occasion but, but like, when, when you we do, do you go hey we go fucking hard man. yeah like, we're here to get drunk and that's it <laughs> and then there's me like the little fucking girl that's from families from ireland that's like livers made of steel who would like have like a couple drinks and die looking at you yeah. guys make your drinks and i'm like i would <laughs> literally die my liver would jump out of my body and be like goodbye see ya <laughs> 
Yeah. I actually didn't do too bad last night. I did not finish my bottle of wine. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. But you're still just learning and growing. We're learning and growing. I'm just tired. (laughs) I'm just tired. That's it. That's all. Um, So... Yeah, people get tipped out of the bed, and that's about what happened. I w- I'd pay for $200, 200 pounds for that. Tip me out of bed. I would. Yeah. Can you it's imagine like getting it- stuck under it, though? Imagine, like, like the bed tips, and it, like, fucking breaks your neck or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> you suck. Just get killed by a ghost. You're like- the new fucking ghost, and now you're the one tipping the bed. Oh, my God. Yeah, do you get your revenge? Are you are you the next bed tipper? Yeah. It's like, it's like a, <laughs> that's what happens. It's like the slayer in every generation. A bed tipper bed is tipper. born. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's what I, I... I'm adding that to the list of what I'm doing in the afterlife, okay? Tipping uh, beds. I love that. Tipping beds. this generation's bed tipper. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. You want sleep? I didn't get sleep. You don't get sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh. there is also a spirit seen with like very empty eyes, um, silver hair, and is also in Victoria era clothing. How can we never see like ghosts that are like... And like our generation, like modern ones. Yeah, like I want to see an emo kid I chasing saw a after post. me. I saw a post. I was like, "How come there's no like, you know, like mid early two thousands like blonde bitch following me? Like, can you imagine just like walking around your house and hearing like it's Britney bitch yeah. from inside the walls, <laughs> or having like someone like a like a appear to you and they're like in the Canadian tuxedo, they're in jeans and like yeah, or, they're just like casual. Yeah, like you don't see that." It's, I wonder if it has to do with, like, location and all of that kind of thing. Could like, be. Where the ghost is. Uh, or maybe, like, it, in, like, the Victorian era, this apparition was there, but it wasn't as strong because it just died. So over the years, it, oh, like, gains energy, and that's why that we can works. see it. I, is it um in Ghost where they, like, they get stronger, like, the longer they're dead kind of thing? I would have think so. Because, like, he can't grab things at yeah. first, but then he learns how to move things. I I, on, I saw Ghost once, so. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I watched it. F- so, uh, I, I was a tomboy growing up. My favorite two people were my papa and my dad. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on the couch at my papa's house, and we were watching Ghost, and I look over, and both my dad and my papa had tears streaming <laughs> down their face. <laughs> and that's why it's my favorite movie. That's so fucking cute. I love that so much. Oh, bless their heart. I'm not surprised by that at all, to be honest. Not <laughs> a bunch of zaps. <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, like, I feel like that could be a thing. They're just around longer, so that's why we can see I think, them I more. I think that's, that's a good theory. I like that. Yeah. And, like, maybe, like, ghosts now, like, you can see them, but they're not as, like, strong because they're not around. Like, you can't actually, like, you know, no, you can see sense. apparitions. So in, like, in, like, 50 years, someone who, like, died today could would be, like more visible yeah or maybe not even visible or just able to move something or like yeah make themselves known but you can't see them yeah i totally like that theory i like that yeah i can't wait until like a hundred years and people are gonna be like seeing people in like fucking like crop tops and like (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't even be scared i would not even be scared Uh, doing like the tiktok dances yeah oh my god <laughs> like charlie d'amelio or whatever yeah his like on to you. <laughs> can you oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh i hate this generation i okay. hate tiktok dancing i'm sorry no one looks cute doing it no. i'm so sorry <laughs> there's some really funny tiktoks out there but the dancing it just it's just gotta go i think it's gonna be like a vine thing it's just gonna die off in a couple years yeah oh for sure that's that's the unfortunate thing about like social media is like once it gets to a certain point and like we already have everything we need essentially like instagram is for images facebook is for like connecting with people in quotes uh twitter is for like quick fast news and all that stuff it's like what what else do we need no twitter is for bullying people on the internet twitter is yes you're correct (laughs) i'm sorry but it is twitter is vile (laughs) you're correct yeah i fucking hate twitter people are fucking mean um okay back to the spookies because our oh my god yeah it's our first this episode back we're gonna be sidetracked so you guys welcome to 2021 <laughs> we're back bitches <laughs> okay um so this guy that has empty eyes silver hair and in victorian era clothing the spirit is reported to be of a doctor who murdered his wife in room 333 of course and then committed suicide they were on their honeymoon oh that's rude that's gross it's rude it's rude first of all he paid for the wedding yeah he paid for the honeymoon like <laughs> well he doesn't have to worry about it now because he also offed himself too so oh right i forgot about that right 
Um, so this could be the spirit causing all this motion sickness in fucking room 333. Um, but it's also said it could be the German prince that is also fond, because he's apparently also fond of 333. Um, so there could be two spirits teaming up and causing heart attacks and throwing you out of the fucking bed. They're just like, they just ganged up. We're like, let's fuck with everybody that enters this room. Yeah. You shake the bed, I'll tip it. Teamwork. (laughs) Teamwork. That's going to be me and Holly in the afterlife. Absolutely. That's been the plan this whole time. Yeah. I'll shake the bed, Holly can tip it because I'm weak. (laughs) Um, So on the main floor and like the corridors, people and staff have reported seeing a bewigged footman. I had to look this up because I had no idea what the fuck that meant. Yeah, what is that? So from my understanding, it's like men with like the fluffy socks. Like in the like the old days. Like Like Philly socks? I don't even know what those are. Uh, i don't know so you know like like <laughs> you have like people that help you with like your luggage in hotels now uh-huh. it was like people that have that job but are dressed like with those like high socks and like black boots and like they're like in shorts and it just looks weird oh, like it's victorian okay. era but like they have like socks with like frills on the top of it yeah, yeah, okay i totally get the vibe yeah. yeah that's what i'm picturing in my head and if it's wrong i don't care because it's funnier this way <laughs> I have the same vibe yeah. in my head, so we're going with it. Okay, good. Um, so now this, like, it's like the men in stocking. So this uniform is somewhat of what, like, the staff would wear in this hotel when it first opened, as I said. Um, now, these sightings are usually only brief. However, there is there was one woman who ended up calling down to reception because she was wondering where the fuck her bags were. Um, so she said she left her bags with an, and I quote, an oddly oddly dressed porter, which I believe <laughs> is what they call like the bellman in yeah. England. Um, so she described this gentleman's outfit, and the reception informed her that those uniforms hadn't been worn for more than eighty years. Oh wow! Yeah, her luggage was in the same spot where she left it with the spirit. Um, imagine having to be stuck haunting the hotel that you worked at, and you're still expected to work. <laughs> Like, I would slap that lady. Like, fuck you. I'm just here to haunt this place. Take your own bags upstairs, you lady ass. Fuck you. I'd be so mad. I would go up to her room and shake her the fuck out of bed. (laughs) Now I know... She's getting tipped. Now I know why these ghosts, these spirits are so angry. Like, fucking people like that. (laughs) The rudeness. She's probably a Karen. Oh my god. (laughs) So there is a butler who's seen in the upper floors of the hotel. Some people actually say it's actually not a butler, but it's like a radio presenter. So kind of like BBC era. Um, Mm. Wearing like a dinner jacket. Either way, he is there. He's not supposed to harm anybody. He just kind of does his own business and floats away. creepishly. Yeah, the normal. Um, There's also a spirit of a German soldier who roams the hallways. It's said that he committed suicide in the hotel just before um, the start of World War II. People think it's the same spirit that people have been seeing with like a huge gaping hole in his face. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that's gory. Um, so last but not least is the spirit of Napoleon the third. Um, I didn't go in too much into his history because like it's fucking long as hell <laughs> and we're the spooky hour, not the emperor history hour. So <laughs> we're just going to focus on his death and his spirit. Okay. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> not a history buff. So, <laughs> um, so apparently he was in exile and spent the last of his days in Langham before passing away at the age of 64. Um, wow. Yeah, very young. His spirit was... actually, like, old for that time, though, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. If you made it to 64, you were, like, a god. A miracle, yeah. Yeah. Um, his spirit is mainly active in the basement, and it's thought that the strange noises and constant, like, faulty equipment in the basement are, the re- are uh, like, his hands. Like, he's doing all of that. Yeah, that's the most notable, like, important, a uh, quote, important person haunting this the hotel. most important ghost ever yeah <laughs> and that is the langham hotel Have i it. love that like i love hotels and like stuff like that where there's always multiple ghosts i think it's so fun like do they hang out i do hope they, so do they socialize <laughs> do they all like just get around and like kind of like hold on I'm going to look something up, but do they all just, like, get together and have, like, tea and, like, crumpets and... Get a ghost high tea? Like... Yeah. I would so be here for I that. hope so. I'd be an antisocial ghost because I'm an antisocial person, but I'd like to believe... That, she would be the like... bed tipper. I'd be the bed tipper. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, this hotel is actually known to be, like, a big filming location. Um, it was in the James Bond film, The Golden Eye, oh. in 1995. Um... Yeah, it a lot of like the exterior is filmed for like movies, not 
sometimes like interior but the outside is just so pretty yeah um i'll have to look well i mean you'll send me a picture later but oh i'll have to look it up yeah it's, see it. it's really fucking pretty it's definitely it's like one and you're like that's fucking haunted um <laughs> it was also featured in the film wonderland in 1999 it was in external shots for mary kate and ashley olsen's made for um or mary kate and ashley olsen's winning london movie oh my god i used to love their fucking <laughs> movie the most important movie that was filmed and my favorite was passport to paris oh my i didn't watch any of them you're gonna hate oh. <laughs> i'm so sorry i like had them but i didn't like them i wasn't I don't a know fan why i like them so much jessica was a fa- like my i so i have an aunt that's a year older than me and we used to live together when we were younger and she was like obsessed with them you can talk to her I don't about know it why i was yeah. <laughs> i'm going to next yeah. time i see her <laughs> so the most important movie to ever be filmed in this hotel as per my opinion was garfield <laughs> a tale of two kitties in 2006 oh my god the most important movie <laughs> that's amazing i agree yeah i agree that's the coolest fact you've said so far today thank you thank you and it's like used for like tv shows like there's a british show called hustle and there's like a culinary drama called burnt and has like bradley cooper in it apparently that's in it as well a culinary drama fuck if i know i've never even heard of it hilarious but yeah it's like really cool it's really pretty if i ever go to london i want to go there yeah i was just gonna say we're adding that to our um if we ever win the lottery and get to oh my god i bought lottery tickets last night i could be a millionaire right now and not even know it yeah um so we might be going to this hotel (laughs) once covid stops yeah hell yeah man we should do a road trip we'll we'll like map it all out it'll be great it'll be really fun um with that i guess is it is it time to kill people yet it's time to get murdery 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 oh my god um, before we jump into it speaking of murder my brain was just like fall i text holly like i think it was like boxing day and i was like is it fall yet like i'm fucking <laughs> over winter. she said it before i said it. <laughs> i'm like i'm over it i like as soon as christmas was done um so we we uh, had a white christmas this year for the first time in like a few years like we haven't had a proper nice white christmas mm-hmm. it was beautiful i loved it but that's it so then it's been raining pretty much since christmas and now it's just like gross and like muddy and disgusting and it doesn't feel like christmas anymore and i'm just like god is it halloween yet right (laughs) i just want 303 days till halloween real that's it that's so far i think that went so far but yeah i as soon as the snow melted i'm like all right fuck it we need leaves wait i don't want to do summer summer's hot i hate summer i'm not excited for um, the summer either so i don't want summer i'm just fast, no i hate the summer fast Fuck. forward I, so we said the earliest we would look for a house is july and i'm like i'm kind of hoping we find one in july mm-hmm. because i want my air conditioning <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it all right so with that uh let's get to some gruesome murders this week is actually gruesome murders um see we're back so, to basics bitches yeah i'm starting this year with a bang actually this this case is actually pretty gross i left out a lot of detail because it's like you're gonna have to google it okay that's oh, all God. i'm saying <laughs> i mean i appreciate that so much because I would yeah if i if i choose to leave it out you know it's bad <laughs> like um so today i'm going to be talking about a case from australia and it's one of actually their most infamous cases ever so i don't know how popular it is in north america but if you say this in australia they're going to be like ah um so i'm going to talk about the snowtown murders um most serial killers act alone uh sometimes we see them like going off in pairs and stuff like this uh but this story is actually even more perplexed because it involves four people working together who killed and disposed of 12 victims over the course of seven years how do you people Um, how do they just find people they're like i want to murder somebody like oh same here yeah let's let's do it um so i tried to touch on that a little bit in this um it's it's like uh do you, do you know the term charismatic leader like yeah. hitler and all that stuff yeah, yeah so the the ringleader here is kind of like that kind of vibe okay. where like he knows what to say um, kind of like a man was actually sorry kind of like manson kind of like manson but he was actually involved in the killing as oh, well okay, okay and um he actually had so there was like the four main people involved who were charged and stuff but then there's other people who he like roped in as they went along okay kind of thing so they're like all in all i think there was like somewhere between like six and ten people involved in these murders holy fuck okay and they all know each other and it's all from like the same social circle so i tried to like i had a really hard time researching it i got like halfway through my paper my paper my uh research and i was like 
this is fucking so confusing. I hope this makes sense. <laughs> I did my best to organize it in a way that makes sense. So, like, just bear with me. It's like a soap opera. We're going to do it. Let's okay. do this. Here for it. Okay. So we're going to start with the ringleader. His name was John Bunting. Um, according to an article I read, his favorite activity to do as a child was throwing insects into acid. So we already know that he's an interesting character. What kind of child has access to acid? That's what that's what I said. It's like, where are you getting this from? Like, okay. <laughs> Parenting 101. So he was born on September, or sorry, he was born in September 1966 in Queensland, Australia. Um, at the age of eight, he was beaten and sexually assaulted by his friend's older brother. Oh my God. And this spawned a deep-rooted hatred for pedophiles and gay men. Uh, to John, the two were synonymous. He assumed if you were gay, you were also a pedophile. Um, unfortunately that's like due to trauma and stuff like as as awful as that sounds like it's it's a trauma response i guess okay um in his teenage years he would openly tell people that he was a nazi oh my god and, uh, yeah so he was just kind of all, all around this like very shitty person um he landed a job at a slaughterhouse at the age of 22 of and obviously right <laughs> he's just like you know that he's gonna be a killer like you know yeah <laughs> Um, so he scored that job at the age of 22 and he often bragged about how it was like the best job ever. He loved what he did. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so John Bunting was married to a woman named Elizabeth Harvey. Her son, James Velasquez, uh, would become one of John's accomplices. John was an immediate father figure to James and the two got along quite well. John would often rant about his hatred for pedophiles and gays. So James felt comfortable in confiding in John. Um, unfortunately, James was also assaulted by someone he knew at the age of 13. Um, so he confided in John that this happened and that's how their bond kind of formed. Okay. Um, the alleged perpetrator was his older stepbrother, Troy, who I assume was on his dad's side. Um, John responded to this news by suggesting that they give Troy what he deserves. Uh, we'll get into the, how that played out in just a minute. Uh, the third person involved in the killings was Robert Wagner. He was a neighbor of John's and plot twist lived with his partner, Barry Lane. So I found this interesting how John was a killer who openly hated gay people. And yet he ended up working alongside two of them. So we'll get to how that happened in a minute as well. I am very confused. <laughs> Just by like his like whole, he, I don't get it. He sounds like a Yeah, I don't know. He, uh, it starts, well, it doesn't even make sense at the end. That's the worst part, but it, it starts to piece together. Okay. I just wanted everyone to know who was involved so that we know some of the names I'm going to say. Um, so the fourth man was a, a man named Mark Hayden, and he was also a neighborhood in the same community. Um, so they, they all lived really close to each other. They were all neighbors. They all knew each other. It was this really weird, like everybody involved knew each other. Okay. Um, and that's what was so hard to research. <laughs> so now that we've met all of our key players, let's get into the actual case itself. Uh, the first murder took place in August of 1992. John met a 22-year-old man named Clinton Treziz and invited him into his home to hang out. Uh, once inside, John beat the unassuming man to death with a shovel, all while accusing him of being a homosexual pedophile. Um, once Clinton was dead, John paid a visit to his neighbors, Robert and his partner, Barry. So these, this is the gay couple that lived next door. So he fed them a lie about how Clinton was a pedophile and he, he had to kill him because he was preying on children in the neighborhood and stuff. And they believed him. So they helped him bury the body in lower light, South Australia. Um, Why are people so, so gullible? <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. So this, uh, something I should mention also is this community was sort of like, low income heavy into drugs okay. like he sort of preyed upon weak-minded people for lack of a better term so i think that's part of why it was so easy he was just like yeah he's a pedophile and everyone's like sweet like, like cool we're in <laughs> um i mean which i kind of would be too if someone was like yo this guy's a pedo i'd help beat him up i think but um, i would need evidence first oh absolutely yeah i need receipts i'm not just gonna you know i need um, receipts <laughs> i need receipts <laughs> Uh, so Clinton's body was found two years after his murder in a shallow grave on August 16th, 1994. Uh, the murder remained unsolved. And in 1997, he was featured on two episodes of the Australian version of, uh, like Australia's most wanted. Okay. Um, so our good pal, John, was actually watching one of the episodes with his wife and stepson, James, uh, and John whispered to James, quote, that's my handiwork. 
and divulged to him how he had murdered Clinton and disposed of the body with the neighbors. Uh, so he started to trust his stepson enough to start telling him all the weird shit that he was into. That's a weird bond. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a really fucked up bond. Um, so backtracking a little bit, the next murder took place in December of 1995. Uh, a man named Ray Davies, who is described as being developmentally stunted, um, he lived in an RV behind a house belonging to Suzanne Allen. She comes into play later, so just try to remember that name. I know we're at like 12 names at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> So Ray and Suzanne had dated, but their relationship ended. Uh, when they uh, separated, Suzanne complained to her friend, John Bunting, who was our killer, that Ray was a pedophile and had made unwanted advances at her grandchildren. John, being the vigilante that he was, sprung into action immediately. Uh, John and his uh, new pal, Robert Wagner, kidnapped Ray and tortured him in some very brutal ways. I won't go into all the details, like I said, but just to get an idea, they tied him up in a bathtub and started by beating him with bats. Um, there was also pliers involved <gasps> in the torture. Um, oh there's God, a whole, there's actually a list of tools in one of the articles I read, and it's like, I'm leaving it at pliers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to, like, lock um, my mind from going any farther. It's not allowed. Yeah, don't Google it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. Um, so, Ray Davies was never reported missing as he was a bit of a loner and didn't really have any family. That's so sad. So, John and Robert had no trouble cleaning and painting his RV and selling it for themselves. Um, they also started collecting his disability checks for years after his death. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> yeah. This is a theme that you're going to see pop up. So shortly after the murder of Ray Davies, Suzanne Allen also died under mysterious circumstances. We're tra time traveling a little bit here to 1999. Um, so this is, uh, at this point, all of the victims' remains have been found in this case in 1999. So Suzanne's remains were found buried with Ray's in the garden of her house. Um, she was dismembered and wrapped in 11 different plastic bags. Oh my God. Uh, like Dexter like Ray, style? Like Jesus Christ. Like dexter style yeah <laughs> um so she also was never reported missing and the killers collected her pension as well the twist here though is that the killers all claim that she had actually died of a heart attack um they uh the investigators were unable to determine an exact cause of death so she was actually not considered a victim in these cases she's dismembered that's what i said like is that not enough like, like <laughs> we can't even if it was a heart attack like they dismembered her like like that that's some that is a charge that is a charge yeah i feel like they got charged with something after the fact but she she's like never she like she's not technically on the victim list of the snowtown murders even though she's in like 17 different parts yeah like wow yeah. okay so how stupid yeah how stupid <laughs> So now we're going back in time again. Um, another fascinating thing about this case is that, uh, as I said, the killers managed to rope people into helping them with almost every kill. So the next murder, which took place in August of 1997, introduces us to a man named Frederick Brooks. He was only 18 and described as being intellectually disabled. Uh, his mother, Jody Elliott, was obsessed with John Bunting and the two had briefly dated. Uh, one article I read said they were engaged. One article I read said it was more like a friends with benefits thing but isn't so, he like dating somebody else is. uh he was married yeah i was gonna say wasn't he, he was married yeah okay. so i don't know if this was prior or post okay or what but apparently they had dated they may or may not have been engaged i or mean they may have not have actually dated at all <laughs> we know that he's like a skis bag already so i mean like when it's i wouldn't be surprised if yeah he had a side piece yeah so. um so she was also described as being intellectually disabled. So we're seeing a bit of a trend here. He tended to prey upon those weaker than him. Uh, he lured them into his murderous plans, et cetera, et cetera. So he would sell them on the whole, like, we're heroes and we're killing uh, pedophiles and people were gullible enough to fall for it. So... In August of 1997, uh, John Bunting and Robert Wagner had decided that they hated their Michael. Their, their Michael. Their Michael. Their Michael. That belongs to them. Uh, had decided they hated their neighbor, Michael Gardner, so much that they just had to kill him. Uh, Michael was an openly gay 19-year-old man who shared a house with several other men in the neighborhood. This was obviously just like unacceptable um so he was tortured by the pair of killers in a similar fashion to our previous victim ray uh they used tools to slowly inflict pain on various parts of the body including the private regions oh, no. um 
after his murder that's that's it that's all i'm saying <laughs> she, she's like oh no i was like oh. don't want to um, go there <laughs> this one was particularly brutal though if you are into fucking like reading that shit look up his in particular i'm not saying i'm into it it was not nice after his murder the killers enlisted frederick brooks to help them conceal the body they stuffed him into a large metal drum and hid it in an abandoned bank in snowtown south australia uh so they had they they basically like rented a vault in an abandoned bank so the bank was not a bank anymore but people were still renting the vaults out i think it was like an under the table kind of okay rental process kind of like a, like um, instead of a storage bin you get like a vault <laughs> yeah exactly um so that's the whole reason it's called the snowtown murders is because the vault was in snowtown okay. um uh, so John and Robert then convinced Frederick to phone various friends and family members of the victim and pretended to be him. He would ask them to send personal information his way because he had forgotten it. But in reality, John and Robert were using this information to access Michael's bank account and live off his funds. Um, hmm. Sometimes. What's that? Huh. Huh. <laughs> They're Assholes. all dirt Yeah, I'm like, I'm getting annoyed. <laughs> Um, so sometime between the first murder and October of 1997, uh, Robert Wagner ended his relationship with Barry Lane. Um, so these are the two gay neighbors. Was, uh, Bar- two- Sorry, was Barry involved at all? Did he know? Um, so he was involved in the first one for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's all I know for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, so the two had been together for over 12 years. Uh, but that didn't stop Robert from turning on his former partner at the command of John Bunting, which, side note, John Bunting thrived of sort of being in control in these tortures and killings. He actually would ask the victims to call him things like a master and, like, my lord and shit. Uh, so he got off on having power in these situations. I hope, like, none uh, of them did it. Did what? Like, Sorry. if he's like, call me oh, master, like, and they're like, fuck you. No. Yeah, I would. I'd be like, fuck you, asshole. Like, you're about like, to kill me. Tiny dick or something. I ain't like, gonna... I ain't going to call you shit. You're about to cut my dick off. Like, I'm not helping you. I'm like, what? Yeah, I hope they didn't either. Um, so in saying that, he took control over Robert and demanded that they help him, or sorry, demanded that he help him kill his former partner, Barry. John claimed that Barry was a sick pedophile and that he, quote, always knew he was dirty. Uh, so they were kind of buddy-buddy before, but as soon as they broke up, he was like, he has to die. That's very fucking dramatic. Like, just... Yeah, literally. So, before they killed him, they forced Barry to call his mother and tell her that he was moving away and wanted nothing to do with her. Oh, my God. They, That's heartbreaking. Isn't that awful? Um, they tortured and killed him in the same manner as the other victims and later stuffed his remains into a barrel as well. After his death, the killers continued c- to collect his welfare payments. It's alleged that a man named Thomas Trevilian was also involved in the murder of Barry, which is fitting because he's also our next victim. So Thomas Trevilian was described as having, uh, like, psychiatric problems that sounded a little bit like PTSD to me. Okay. Uh, He wore only army-style clothing, so, like, camo and boots and stuff, and he was known to run around outside with a knife if he heard, like, a bump in his house or something. Like, he'd just run around screaming with a knife. Yeah. Um, He also wandered away on foot on several occasions, and they'd find him, like, several towns over kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so he was unwell in Was he some ever, way. like, in the army? I think so. Okay. Because, like... Uh, it sounds like he was. Like, I had, I had a family member who was in the Navy, or I don't... Uh, he was on a ship, but his ship got blown <laughs> up, and he was in oh, the... Wow. Yeah, he was in the water for, like, 36 hours before he was, like, rescued. Wow. Yeah, and he had, P- he had, like, extreme PTSD to the point where he would wake up and, like, climb the wall because he thought he was drowning, and he would, like, try wow. to climb the wall, and, like, his wife would be like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. That's awful. It's, PTSD is so sad to me. It's terrible. It's fucking terrible. Um, so I'm it, – it hasn't been confirmed that's that, that that's what this Thomas guy has, but it sounds – it sounds like he's like ptsd yeah and if you went through that that's absolutely heartbreaking yeah this poor kid um so he shared a house with uh barry lane who is robert's ex-boyfriend for five months from april to october of 1997 when he helped john and robert murder him uh so thomas had started telling people about his involvement in the murder most people thought he was just rambling nonsense because of his uh reputation in the town but john was furious when he found out uh john convinced robert that thomas was a huge risk and the pair decided to kill him in order to keep him quiet so i guess because he was a friend they kind of changed their mo a little bit here um they did not torture and kill him in the same way as the others what they did uh they drove him to a park where he was forced to stand on a box while they tied a noose around his neck and then they kicked the box out from under him 
So wow. Thomas's body was found on November 5th, 1997, and his death was ruled a suicide at the time. Um, That's really sad. While, it's really sad. That one, yeah, that one was not nice. Um, while all of this was going on, James Velasquez, who was the stepson from mm-hmm. the beginning, uh, he fell down a little bit of a dark hole. He had started using drugs and was put into a methadone program where he met uh, a man named Gavin Porter. Uh, the two moved in with James's mother and John Bunting to help their path to sobriety. Unfortunately, that path is always a messy one, and Gavin in particular seemed to struggle with it. Uh, John started to see him as like a waste of space because he was just this like washed up druggie and he started to hate him. Uh, So one day when John went to sit on the couch, he was pricked by a needle that Gavin had left there and he snapped and decided to kill Gavin. Um, What? Uh, Gavin was outside working on his car when he fell asleep in the back seat. John called his pal Robert over and the two strangled the man to death while he slept in his car. They shoved his body into a metal drum as well and stored it in Snowtown with the others. Um, so next on the to-do list was James's, James's stepbrother, Troy, who's the one that molested him as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, this murder occurred in 1998 and was the first murder James and the other neighbor, Mark Hayden, were actually participated in. Uh, so he, John, and Robert tortured Troy to death and shoved him in a barrel as well. Uh, then the group move on to their next victim just a few weeks afterwards in September of 1998. Um, the victim was Frederick Brooks, who we had mentioned earlier. He's the one who called pretending to be the victim. Okay. Uh, there was no reason given for why he was selected, but I assume it was just they didn't want him to talk about the murder. Um, so he suffered the same fate as the others. Uh, the next victim was Gary O'Dwyer. A lot uh, he of was victims. the only victim. Yeah, 12 total. Holy shit. 12 total. I tried to like 12 synopsis many. them as much as I can. Yeah. Um, so he, Gary Dwyer was the only victim who wasn't already known to the killers. Uh, he was a stranger that they noticed one day and decided to target on a whim. Uh, he was disabled as a result of a car accident. So the killers knew he received a pension from the government in November of 1998. They tried to bef- befriend him and grow close to him. Uh, they asked him enough personal information to know that he was a single man with no known family. And then they tortured and killed him the same way as the others and collected his pension as well. Um, also like how are, how are you collecting these many people's pensions without anyone noticing? That's yeah. what blew me away this whole time. Is there at like 10 pensions right now? And like and no one notices. And like these people have uh, no other activity except collecting pensions. That's like a big red flag. Yeah, seriously. There's there's no spending. They're just collecting money. Like, um, So a short while after this, still in November of 1998, uh, John and Robert decided their next victim would be Mark Hayden's wife, Elizabeth. So Mark was the other neighbor who had assisted in disposing disposing of several victims bodies um it's alleged that his wife helped the killers too but it's not confirmed because she was killed um my guess here is that they feared she knew too much so she had to die so that their crimes wouldn't get out um fun fact here so elizabeth who is mark's wife her sister was jody elliott who i mentioned earlier whose son was frederick books <laughs> oh my god it's like a never-ending circle it literally is it's just like it's so tangled um it's alleged that jody also played a role in some of the murders though she was never charged uh the strongest allegation is that she would call banks pretending to be uh suzanne allen from the beginning in order to keep the pension checks coming in hmm so literally everyone in this town is involved at this point. Like, what the fuck? Just shut the yeah. whole town down at this point. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so John, Robert, and James murdered Elizabeth Hayden one night while her husband was out of town. When he returned, Mark Hayden helped dispose of her body too. He was just so like, yeah, this is wife. fine. Life's fine. Yeah. What a piece uh, of shit. She, like the others, was placed in a metal drum and driven to a bank in Snowtown. Uh, she was reported missing by her brother the next day when he hadn't heard from her after 3 p.m. Apparently, this was incredibly unusual. Her disappearance was the thread that unraveled the entire case for these guys because she was the only victim who had family to notice her missing. So that was their biggest fuck up. Yeah. So while the investigation started buzzing, their last victim was 24-year-old David Johnson, who was another one of James Vlaskis's half-brothers. Oh, my so God. So they're like just... 
so many fucking little i can't keep up with this i'm sorry if this is not making sense i tried my best we need to create like a family tree and like a friend's tree and be like literally so this guy uh john bunting had uh you know how in like crime shows and stuff they have like the red string going through pictures yeah. and stuff like that he had that on his wall for all of these people oh my god and like i feel like i should have done that in my room and then just figure it out <laughs> It's fucking insane. Basically, everybody knows everybody, and everybody killed everybody. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, so he was not known to be gay, but John believed he was and hated him for it anyways. In May of 1999, John, James, Mark, and Robert lured him out to the abandoned bank in Snowtown, telling him they were on their way to buy a computer off of someone they met on the internet. All four of you. Okay. All four of them. Um, actually, no, he was only with James. So okay. he thought that he was just going with James to get a computer. Okay. Uh, but when he got there instead, David was jumped by Robert, Mark, and John and tortured for information. They requested his banking information and forced him to read from a script to a camera. Uh, James and Robert drove off to find an ATM to access the victim's bank account, leaving him alone with John and Mark for several hours. When the pair returned empty-handed, having been given a fake pin, yes. David was already dead. Um, so the other two killed him while they were trying to hack his bank account um fun true crime fact this was the only snowtown murder to actually take place in snowtown um you think the bank would be like hey these people keep trying to input a wrong pin we should probably do something about it yeah alert someone yeah (laughs) um for some fucking sick reason the group decided to up their game on this night uh it was simply too easy to stuff him into a barrel with the others instead they dismembered him and cooked various parts of his body for dinner that night oh my god i'm gonna throw up what (laughs) you're welcome oh my god um while this was happening, the investigation into Elizabeth Hayden's disappearance was well underway. Um, her brother didn't believe that uh, her husband Mark's explanations for the disappearance. Uh, he seemed to change his story every time he was interviewed. He couldn't give a, an answer as to where his wife was. Um, Elizabeth's brother also did not believe that she would leave without her kids. Yeah. She had two young sons, and he's like, she would just not leave them behind. Um, police found it suspicious that her husband had Don't not reported her missing. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> I thought that if I just kept going, she wouldn't do it. Hell no. I'm going to interrupt you. <laughs> um, fuck, now I lost my spot. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so they thought it was weird that Mark didn't report her missing, but the brother did. Yeah. So they started looking further into his story, and they began by piecing together their social circle, noting that John, Robert, and James were all, like, super sketchy, so they kept a really close eye on them. Um, while investigating the sketchy group, police discovered the connection between two cases, Clinton Treziz and Barry Lane. So Clinton Treziz was the first murder that was the guy that was killed by the shovel. Mm-hmm. And Barry Lane is Robert's boyfriend who they murdered. Yeah. So police found it odd that the two were from the same community and ran in the same social circles. Uh, Clinton's remains had been found back in 1994, buried in a garden with Suzanne Allen and Ray Davies. So investigators thought that that was just kind of like a one and done case. But once they found this like Clinton connection they were like holy shit maybe there's like something else so they kept like digging into it good for them um and then stuff slowly started to like fall into place for them uh while looking into mark hayden's involvement investigators had discovered that he was renting the bank vault in an in the abandoned bank in snowtown under the name mark lawrence when questioned about the vault, Mark claimed that he used it to store pickled kangaroos. I'm going to need one of our Australian listeners to explain this to me because what the fuck? Is this like a thing? Do you guys just pickle kangaroos down there? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like picturing like a full kangaroo in like a jar being pickled. Like it's just weird. Yeah. Like what? Is this a thing that you guys do? Well, they is eat kangaroo. Food? Like it's a, it's like, a meat. It's like kangaroo is like they eat it. Like Stuart's sister um so she's a big health buff and she's super famous and all this fun stuff um but she i would come over to like Stuart's house and open the freezer and there'd be like kangaroo meat in the freezer i'm like this is disgusting jessica but they're so cute right but they're like <laughs> the raccoons down there like our toronto yeah, sure raccoons they're everywhere they're like yeah and apparently like uh, correct me if i'm wrong apparently they don't like them i'm like i think they're fucking adorable i think they're awesome yeah do you remember the zoo when you used to be able to like walk around them and stuff like you can go into the exhibit oh amazing do you know Um, like so yeah like i feel like i'm sorry to sidetrack but like like they hate their kangaroos i feel like you have like bigger problems like you have scorpions you have like those wolf spiders you have like the the some of the most venomous snakes there i think 12 of the most venomous snakes or something live in australia (laughs) and y'all are worried about kangaroos (laughs) (laughs) so yeah apparently this guy was pickling them for them so like that's great that's so gross. um so 
investigators thought this was fucked up he's too, just pickling so actually, human bodies yeah it's, it's, it's different <laughs> i went i went dark there but i had to say it sorry um so they went to the vault to investigate on may 20th 1999 so this was only like a week after the last murder okay so that's how wow. like on par they were with catching these guys that's good um when they arrived on the scene the scent took them over immediately as they stepped foot in the vault they're like this isn't uh, pickled kangaroos yeah this is not pickled kangaroo i can't imagine that smells very good though oh god no <laughs> So they cracked open the barrels and discovered the bodies of nine of the Snowtown victims. Um, Examiners attempting to identify the remains found them mummified in the barrels. The killers had poured acid into the barrels in an attempt to dissolve the remains, but they were not the smartest and they used hydrochloric acid, which mummified the remains instead. Science um, isn't their big, like, their strong no, point. not their forte. Mm-hmm. So, Robert Wagner, who was 29, John Bunting, who was 34, and Mark Hayden, 42, at the time that they were arrested, faced 10 counts of murder each, while James Vlaskis, I'm pretty sure I said his name different every time, <laughs> I don't really care, he was 20 at the time of the charges, uh, faced five murder charges, all four men pled not guilty at the initial hearing in Adelaide, um... But obviously they were fucking guilty. Those guys so just John like, was found, I, thought, yeah. I thought it was kangaroos in those barrels. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> we were just pickling kangaroos together. I did not know. What the fuck? Um, so John was found guilty of 11 counts of murder and Robert was found guilty of seven counts of murder. They each received consecutive life sentences, which I love. So John is serving 11 life sentences and Robert is serving seven. Good. So they got like the balance for whatever lives they took. That's one thing. That's um, a good thing about Australia is like they're really strict on that shit. We need good. cops and like your fucking justice system over here. Yeah. We need a facelift over here a little bit. <laughs> Um, so James Vlalala, that one, (laughs) that one, uh, confessed to his involvement in four of the murders and is serving four life sentences for his crimes. Uh, Mark Hayden was not convicted of any murder charges, but was convicted of seven counts of, uh, like for assisting the other three men disposing of the bodies. Okay. He received a 25 year sentence because, uh, the crimes were at like the higher end of that spectrum. Uh, he has applied for parole since his sentencing and has been denied rightfully so um the final outstanding murder charges against john bunting and rag ragnar why <laughs> the final outstanding murder charges against john bunting and robert wagner in the case of suzanne allen were dropped on may 7th 2007 when a jury was unable to reach a verdict so no one was ever charged with her murder hmm. um i mean this case that's sorry fu- go ahead I'm like that, that kind of fucking sucks but at least they're still in like jail so yeah absolutely um this case uh was so prolific john bunting is offered referred to as the worst serial killer in australian history um the small town where the uh the barrels were found Snowtown, had become somewhat of like a stain on australia like if you said the word Snowtown, people would be like Ooh. oh god no um so the townsfolk uh, uh, petitioned to change the name of the town to rosetown to try to distance themselves from the murders but unfortunately that didn't pass and it's still just this sort of like stain on the yeah. australian community you can't hide your history no america knows that you cannot <laughs> they're trying really hard yeah they're trying hard but it ain't working <laughs> so yeah that's the snowtown murders. that's so fucked up that i is know crazy. it was really hard i hope it made sense it was very soap opera e <laughs> very very soap opera yeah. <laughs> but like i probably insane. didn't even do like half of like what i could have done with it but that's absolutely insane no that was really good i didn't hear about those ones and they all sound like fucking dirtbags. Are they still alive? Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, yes, but none of them are, like, out of jail. Oh, God. I was going to say, I hope COVID gets them, but Australia doesn't have COVID anymore, so. I think um, Mark Hayden, so the one that was charged with, like, uh, disposing of the bodies, I'm pretty sure it was 2009 when he applied for parole. Okay. So, like, somewhat recent. Oh, my God. No, it's not even recent anymore. No. Nope. That was, like, 12 God, like years 12 ago. 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. We're old. <laughs> fuck <laughs> i like the crypt keeper <laughs> time goes so fast and yet so slow at the same time it like, does i still feel like i'm 16 sometimes and then i pay my car bill and i'm like i'm not 16 anymore yeah. i'm like yeah i'm a child and i'm like i live in my own house i have to like clean my dishes and like vacuum it's just but, too like much, we're man. still children yeah like where's my mom mom come over here and vacuum mom <laughs> when i don't I still live with mine for a reason yeah when i don't feel well i don't get like soup handed to me like mom that i think is gonna be like the worst part is like i i still can't like throw up by myself like i'll still call for my mommy 
Like, <laughs> mommy. So Did my mom Carl call a phone call mom? at like 2 a.m. <laughs> uh, no, he's usually pretty good. He usually just like, he'll puke and then he'll be like, can you clean it up? And I'm like, no. He just has bad aim. <laughs> he's terrible aim. He fucking, he ruined my bathroom. <laughs> so funny. Oh my God. It, I, it was so blue. <laughs> That's so disgusting. Imagine what like, I just your insides look like. I just took the mop downstairs and I just like, I wiped the toilet with the mop because I didn't want to go near it. <laughs> i'm gonna throw up too so that's how my morning was that's so gross happy new year's you guys but those uh, that murders fu- murders is fucking crazy murders, murders. 12 of them. yeah there's um so there's a movie about it and i tried to watch the movie a few years ago but it's it's shot like a hipster movie where there's like lots of silence and smoking cigarettes and stuff like that yeah. but now that i know about, more about the story i kind of want to watch it again yeah and like try to like really I'm, focus on it because yeah. apparently it's really good it won a bunch of awards and shit okay that's fucking crazy so, man that's my 2021 goal Tr- try to actually make it through that movie <laughs> good luck <laughs> thank you <laughs> um fun well it's not a fun fact but i thought this was hilarious i was watching jeopardy because they put them all on netflix and there was like one thing and it's like a word where it's like the beginning of the word and the end of the word rhyme with each other oh and so it said like the the question or whatever it is the statement and the answer was murder, but they pronounced it murder because it like murder. rhymes in a way. And I'm, I've been saying it in my head. <laughs> that's cheating. Murder. And I'm like, that's not a, f- that doesn't fucking rhyme, Jeopardy. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Murder. I also saw a thing, though, that Canadians are lazy in our pronunciation of things. So it could be one of those things. Like, uh, oh, there's we- a video going around TikTok where like we don't say T's. Yeah. At all. And I like, I, I started thinking about it. I was like, do we not? Oh. No like what word we, like what we, the, the big one's toronto toronto there's not a single t when we say that like there's the first t and that's it toronto toronto, <laughs> toronto. Um, i'll try it i'll have to try to find it because like some of them were words and I, I genuinely say them in the way that they're making fun of and i was like fuck <laughs> like i can never like, speak better. again in my like, life we don't say better 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 i feel better it's a, yeah, yeah yeah it should be i feel better yeah i feel better like bet- better it's like library and library so fuck off so maybe everyone making fun of our accents has a point. Yeah. <laughs> we just sound stupid. We concede. Yeah. You win. You win. But And with that, come hang out with us in the new year. Yeah. Yay. We have Instagram. Come chat with us about this crazy fucking episode. Like, we got some bed... I was going to say bedwetters. We got bed tippers, but... <laughs> <laughs> i mean after this episode i'm gonna be a bedwetter so i'm not gonna be able to sleep so oh my god okay so just come hang out with us on instagram um just come wet beds with us yes. it's a spooky hour podcast you can find us on twitter at spooky hour and you can email us at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com and that's it and man. that's it and we have like i was about to say 30 we do not we have like thirteen thousand downloads thank you yeah i meant to tell you that i did look i I haven't really looked much over the break but i saw that we were at like 13.1 and like i was pretty impressed considering we had no episode last week yeah so thank you guys guys very much. much yeah so kind of you and maybe 2021 will be a bigger upstep for this podcast right now we've just been coasting because we've been having fun yeah it's just fun for us and like sometimes i feel like when you put the pressure of like monetizing things it's like yeah it starts to become not fun so like you know we do want to do stuff we do want to do merch one day like yeah. we, we do want to get into that but like and our website yeah and we're also yeah. i'm going back to school and doing a bunch of shit yeah, and it's, it's hard to yeah so like we'll do something someday yeah <laughs> and until then we'll just tell you guys stories and we'll hang out and have fun yeah i just honestly it's it's friendship that's it as lame as that sounds like did you say love friendship or did you say I french did. i said friendship oh this is french i'm like honey we ain't french Pardon me, um no it's just it's just nice like this is you know it's, it's our socialization for the year so. yeah we're go- i'm glad but we yeah. started this during covid that's one our, thing uh, me too mm-hmm. it's honestly if i didn't have this like once a week with you i think i'd be a lot crazier than i am right now <laughs> Oh, all right, guys. Enjoy the first week of the new year. Yeah, we hope it's a good start. Conquer goals and all that positive shit. Yeah, but she <laughs> and said, "Stay spooky, stay spooky, friends." Bye. Bye. <laughs>